along, tell anyone else who may, you think might be interested in coming to come along. So like Lisa said last week, I'm not the best with humour either. I don't really have funny stories to start my messages with normally. Rachel got those funny jeans. Where's my sister out the back there? And um, my brother John, he's pretty funny and dad can tell good dad jokes. That's about it. (laughs) And then I'm just... uh, Yeah, the rest of us, I don't know, we've got different gifts, don't we, Mum? (laughs) Does that mean people laugh at us? No. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Now, how good is it about having the funny person in the family? You've always got a clown or two and they just keep you laughing. We've got a couple of clowns in our family and it's just such good value. Hey, so refreshing. Anyway, this has nothing to do with what I'm talking about this morning. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit this morning about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Who remembers ages ago Rosie spoke an awesome message on these men? Michael, good memories. Josh doesn't remember either if any of you are feeling bad. But it was a really good message. And often if I hear something that I want to come back to, I write some notes and so I'm coming back to it this morning. And I think the story ties in really well with what Josh was talking on two weeks ago on obedience. And he shared on how Jesus was the ultimate example of obedience. His life was the ultimate example. And he gave us keys on how to stay the path even under pressure, just as Jesus did, which was prayer. Have the right friends around you. Don't make excuses and tap into grace. And that was an awesome message. And then I spoke in worship last week just about how, you know, in seasons of heat and pressure, we can respond differently. And I shared that story about how Josh and his workmate in the heat, extreme heat, working down in the hot sun, um, they just ended up laughing, probably delusionally. But that's what welled up out of them, this unexplainable, crazy joy. And I spoke about in the seasons of heat and pressure, you know, we can be tempted to crack, but I prophesied an unexplainable joy welling up inside of us amidst the pressure. And who knows, joy isn't just there to make us feel good. It's not just a nice feeling. It's actually a weapon, as I said last week, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So um, I actually, by God's grace this morning, hopefully want to tie all of this together. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Josh's message on obedience, coming out of seasons of heat and pressure well. So who's in for the ride? Hopefully I won't speak too long as I normally do. (laughs) I'm aiming for 30 minutes. Dad said we need to get the clock back up there. We haven't yet done that. (laughs) Who wants to volunteer to get a clock? Anyway, um, so Daniel. In the book of Daniel it talks about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. The history is in Daniel 1 it talks about King Nebuchadnezzar coming and he takes over Jerusalem. He besieges it and takes all the people as his. And then he says to his chief official, I want you to go and find handsome men, men without defect, men who are smart and intelligent, excellent in heart, and I want them to come into my service. Who feels like they fit those, all those characteristics? Anyway, so he goes out and he finds... Swelly? <laughs> um, so, yeah, he finds Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then further on in Daniel... King Nebuchadnezzar builds this statue and he wants everyone to worship it. But these men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, I tell you what, when I was writing this message, I really got sick of writing their, spelling their names. I should think of a nickname. But anyway, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego refused to worship the idol because, you know, they were Israelites and their God was God, our one true God. And they're like, we don't want to worship this idol. And this is what happened. Furious. This is in Daniel 3, um, 13 to 15 in the message. It might come up. There we go. Furious, King Nebuchadnezzar ordered Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to be brought in. When the men were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar asked, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that you don't respect my gods and refuse to worship the gold statue that I have set up? I'm giving you a second chance, but from now on, when the big band strikes up, you must go to your knees and worship the statue I have made. 
If you don't worship it, you will be pitched into a roaring furnace. No questions asked. Who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar, Your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us into the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from the roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up, O king. But even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference, O king. We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. How good's their attitude? We wouldn't serve them anyway. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, his face purple with anger, cut off Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace fired up seven times hotter than usual. He ordered some strong men from the army to tie them up, hands and feet, and throw them into the roaring furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bound hand and foot, fully dressed from head to toe, were pitched into the roaring fire. Because the king was in such a hurry and the furnace was so hot, flames from the furnace killed the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego crazy, eh? While the fire raged around Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, suddenly King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm and said, didn't we throw three men bound hand and foot into the fire? That's right, O king, they said. But look, he said, I see four men walking around freely in the fire, completely unharmed, and the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. And just, I'll pause there. I love that picture. I spoke about the heat, Josh working in the extreme heat, and the joy that welled up. These men were thrown into the fire bound, but by God's grace, they're walking around in the fire, in the pressure, in the heat of the battle, free. And I think that's a powerful picture that sometimes the battle might still be there in whatever situation we have to go in, but we can walk freely within the heat of that. We can walk in joy. We can have strength just as these men did. Nebuchadnezzar went to the door of the roaring furnace and called in, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the high God, come out here. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego walked out of the fire. All the important people, the government leaders and king's counsellors gathered around to examine them and discovered that the fire hadn't so much as touched the three men, not a hair singed, not a scorch mark on their clothes, not even the smell of fire on them. Amazing. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted him. They ignored the king's orders and laid their bodies on the line rather than serve or worship any god but their own. Therefore, I issue this decree. Anyone, anywhere, of any race, cutler, or creed who says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be ripped to pieces, limb from limb, and their houses torn down. There has never been a God who can pull off a rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. How amazing is that story on so many levels? Firstly, the change of heart from King Nebuchadnezzar. Kill these men to how amazing is their one and only true God and anyone who insults their God, they'll be killed. Shows the might of God and talk about obedience and sticking to your convictions amidst great heat and great pressure. This is what these men did. It's an incredible picture of faith and trust in God. Is everyone keeping up with me? Am I a little bit too fast? Okay, good. Okay, sorry, Lenny. <laughs> slow it down. I'll take a leaf from Elliot's book. He's really cute. He speaks so slow and clear. Like when he was telling me about his new haircut, he's like, I got a new haircut. So yeah, he speaks really well. <laughs> um, so I'm, I digress. I want to bring a few things out of this story this morning. Firstly, these men knew who they were and they knew who God was. And it sounds like a simple point like, duh. But I think sometimes we can actually forget these things when these can get lost and we think we know them, but we actually don't. So to unpack the first aspect of this point, 
These men knew who they were. They knew their identity. So a bit of history. As I said in Daniel 1, these men were selected by King Nebuchadnezzar's chief official. But when they were selected, they actually had different names. They had Hebrew names because they were Israelites. And they were renamed by... <clears throat> King Nebuchadnezzar's chief official. And this often happened. The idea of this was as people came into the kingdom from different races and religions and backgrounds, the idea of renaming them was that their names would honour Babylonian gods. And not only would they hopefully forget their past, but it was also speaking into their future. You know, you're going to worship our gods. You're going to be part of our kingdom. So interestingly, Shadrach's, um, and Ebony might just pop up that first slide. Yeah, there we go. Shadrach's Hebrew name was Hananiah, Meshach's name was Mishael, and Abednego's was Azariah. Um, so Hananiah, next slide can pop up, means God is gracious or answered by the Lord. Mishael means who is what God is. And Azariah, Azariah means God has helped. How cool are those names? And, but, there's Shaldean, maybe don't, Pop up the next one yet? Yeah, quick, hide it. But there's, no, you can pop it up if you want. But there's Chaldean or Babylonian names were given to honor Babylonian gods. As I said, okay, no, pop it up, Ebony, go for it. Shadrach meant inspired of Aku, who was a Babylonian moon god. Meshach meant belonging to Aku, Babylonian moon god. And Abednego meant servant of Nabu, who was the god of arts, literacy, scribes, and wisdom. So the king and these chief officials were trying to change the very essence of who these men were and what had been spoken over them. But when the pressure was on, did it change who they are, who they were? Not one iota. They knew where they were from. They knew who they were. They knew what they were called to, no matter what anyone else had spoken and declared over them. And I just think this story is so powerful. It's actually not just a nice story about obedience and some men who are faithful to their God and God who rescued them. That is amazing. It's a story that shows without question what God speaks over our life is irrevocable and that no matter what anyone else says that is contrary, the word of God stands firm above it all. He's called us by name. He's made us fearfully and wonderfully. He has a hope and a future for us. He promises to be with us always. He's made us more than conquerors and his purpose for us is far above anything we could dream or imagine. No eye has seen, no he has heard the plans that our God has for us. So if someone comes to you and says you're a lost cause, there's no hope for you, you're stupid, you're ugly, whatever insults people might throw at you, does that trump what God says about you? Absolutely not. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego knew who they were, no matter what anyone else spoke over them. They knew their heavenly calling, they knew their heavenly identity. And I just love this passage from Isaiah 49. I'll read it in a moment. It actually speaks of Jesus. But who knows that we carry and represent Jesus as his followers. And I love how it relates to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's journey. And I'll tie it together soon. I'll, I'll skip over some parts for the sake of time. But I encourage you to read it at home. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. It says, Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. The words that came out of Shadrach, Meshach's and Abednego's mouth were a bit like a sharpened sword, don't you think? There was such authority on them. You know, we're not going to worship your God. We're worshipping our God. In the shadow of his hand, he held me. He made me into a polished arrow. And Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, I believe, were like polished arrows sent into the kingdom of Babylon for such a time as this to actually declare the glory of God. He concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will display my splendor. And how much did these men, this story, actually display the splendor of God? And now the Lord says, he who formed me in the womb to be his servant, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and my God has been my strength. 
He says, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This is what the Lord says, kings will see you and stand up, princes will see you and bow down, because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. How cool is that in terms of speaking into who we are and who God has called us to be and what he's represented, uh, what he's called us to represent. And I love how we can see so much of the nature and heart of God and the power of Jesus that was prophesied in the Old Testament yet to come even within the Old Testament stories. It's prophesied by Isaiah that Jesus will be a servant used to display his splendor and a light to the world, as I said. But then we have here in the Old Testament, before Jesus, these men being used to display the power of God, to display the light and the, yeah, the, the love of God, the greatness of him. And I just think um, the Bible's so cool, hey? Everything is just so intertwined and everything in the Old Testament is pointing towards the power of Jesus and the might of God. And yeah, it's just so deep and complex and beautiful and you could really just I guess get stuck researching it for all your life um, but anyway that same spirit that fell in the Old Testament at a particular time at a particular place for particular people like these men is actually available to us always now so that same spirit that enabled people in the Old Testament through Jesus we have with us all the time so we have actually been chosen by God to represent him his splendor his majesty for us to speak into situations with authority for God to shoot us like arrows into darkness and bring his light. So, and I, I want to talk a little bit more hopefully about that in Vision Sunday at March, in March when we come to that. God knows the great power we have in him, do we? I think that's the question. May we have an even greater revelation of who we are in Jesus, no matter what anyone speaks over us that is contrary. And as I read earlier in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 to 10, or I alluded to it, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. No human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. You don't often hear that in part, hey, it's his spirit that actually reveals the greatness of God's plan for us. And as we walk with him, his spirit will reveal those great things that we can't even comprehend. So if you're like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what God's plan is. I, I can't even imagine that, what the plan is that God has for me. I just want to encourage you as you walk with God. Worship him, read your Bible, be planted in community with people who will spur you on and encourage you in your faith. I firmly believe the Holy Spirit will lead you in the great plan that God has for your life. All right. So firstly, know who you are. Know your identity, what you're called to. You're called to represent the splendor of Jesus on earth. He's chosen you. He has a hope and a future for you. It's far beyond anything you could imagine. And, you know, my prayer is that if anyone has spoken anything over you that was contrary, even if it was years ago, that what the word of God says about you will continue just to set you free and empower you um, just to be more than a conqueror. Secondly, the second aspect of the first point was these men knew who God was. And this is so connected to the first one. Of course, as we know who God is, we know who we are and it's intertwined and so on. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego knew they served a God who was mighty to save. And as I read earlier, when they refused to worship when King Nebuchadnezzar said, you must worship this God. This was their reply. They said, your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up. But even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference, O king. We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. I love that attitude. We know God can rescue us. But even if he doesn't rescue us in the way we'd like and hope, we still know he is God. We still trust his plan. And we're still going to serve him regardless of the outcome. I think that's powerful. And even though their names honoured Babylonian moon gods, they knew in their heart their lives were created to honour the king. 
and how's the confidence, the calm, the boldness, the resolve? Like, I don't know, how would you be in that situation? I wouldn't be calm. But they are just so calm and collected. It's, I think it's inspiring. Hebrews 3, verse 6 in the Passion Translation actually says this. Indeed, Moses, actually it's Hebrews 3, verse 5 to 6. Indeed, Moses served God faithfully in all he gave him to do. His work prophetically illustrates things that would later be spoken and fulfilled. So again, that's the Old Testament looking towards the future of what was to come. But Christ is more than a servant. He was, a, he was faithful as the son in charge of God's house. And now we are a part of this house if we continue courageously to hold firmly to our bold confidence and our victorious hope. How cool is this? We're part of God's body. We're part of his house. We're holding on to our bold confidence and our victorious hope. And did not Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego have a bold confidence and a victorious hope in the king? And who wants some of that? I like some more of that. I think um, it's amazing. These men had that because they knew who God was and they knew who they were in him. They could live courageously and confidently because they knew who was fighting for them. But we have the same God fighting for us, don't we? May we have a greater revelation of the God who is with us always. And I just love the picture of the angel in the fire when they said, um, I see four men walking around freely in the fire, completely unharmed. And the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. And again, can you just imagine being there, being the king, and you put the three men in, and not only they're walking around in there, but there's a fourth man that looks like the son of the gods. And I can imagine it would have been a mighty angel, a sight to behold. And I think these men who knew, they were, knew who they were, obviously, and they knew who was fighting for them, but I think this little image of the angel in the fire was just God making sure that everyone else could see who he was. Everyone else could see these men were not alone. Everyone else could see who he was because the men already knew the miracle was for everyone else. On the note, um, and this is a little side note, but as I was researching, I just came across this too. Daniel, he's connected to these men and this whole book, Daniel, is about him. But when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den later in Daniel by King Darius, a couple of kings on from King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, Daniel's original name means God is my judge, but his new name, Belteshazzar, actually means Bel will protect, one of the Babylonian gods. And I love that when he was thrown into the lion's den, who was it who shut the mouths of the lions and protected him? It was the one and true mighty God. And so again, God's just saying, hey guys, I can stick up for myself. I'm the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I'm watching over my people. And it's just such a powerful picture all throughout Daniel of the might of God and that we are not alone. God will not be mocked. So may we know who God is and who we are in him. And just my last couple of thoughts. So obviously, yeah, know who we are, know who God is. And as we continue to know who God is, I think we'll discover more of who we are. It's just some warnings to watch out for the smoke and the fog that threatens to distort our perspective on the above, who we are and who God is. So the smoke, firstly, in Daniel 3, 27, it says, that when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire, there was not a hair singed, not a scorch mark on their clothes, not even the smell of fire on them. The battle, the heat, the trials can leave smoke on us, just marks of the battle, scorch marks. We can carry pain from the journey. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had been through an immense trial. And you know, I know trials all end differently and their trial ended victoriously and that's a good thing, but not all trials end in that way. And I think regardless, whatever the pressure, the battle that we've been through, we can carry, we can carry marks of it. But these men carried no sign on them of the battle. So, are we carrying unresolved pain 
from the past. And I spoke about my testimony a while back about how God had led me to work with some unresolved pain that was causing anxiety and how much freedom I found as I did that. And, um, Kim, Real Talk Kim, I don't know what her last name is, but she's on Instagram and she's awesome. She writes, don't let a hurtful past turn into a hateful heart and keep you from your hopeful future. Love, forgive, dream, believe, even when you don't feel like it. And um, Steve Furtick said, it's not how much forgiveness do they deserve, but how much freedom do we want? And so maybe sometimes to let go of the past, there might be forgiveness. Maybe we just need surrender to God. And maybe there were situations out of our control, situations we don't understand. And as we just allow God to come into those things, I believe he wants to heal our hearts. So we can walk clearly without the smell of smoke or scorch marks on us. And I really do believe it's the breath of God that blows that, the stench of the battle away, the Holy Spirit that refreshes us, that brings comfort, that helps us process when we don't know what we're feeling. So secondly is the fog. I think so often fog can come after the trials and the battle, and I'll explain what I mean. And I know everyone is different. For some, we lose sight of God in the hard times, but then we connect to him in the good times, you know, fair-weather Christians. But I've mostly found the opposite to be true. In the hard times, we look to God. And then when things are good, we can kind of take our eyes off him, like, oh, do we really need him anymore? Things are going good. Who knows, in the heat of the battle, we dig deep. It's survival mode. <laughs> We have to hang on to God because we desperately need him. But then, as I said, things cool down. We can become a little bit apathetic. We can forget how God sustained us in the, in the hard times in the battle. And we can sometimes get a little bit foggy. Who's God? Who am I? Like, where, what am I called to again? And interestingly, do you know how fog is created? Fog is created when warm, moist air meets a cooler surface and the water condenses and turns into vapour. And that's how we get fog and mist. So, for example... If there's warm air blowing in off the ocean and it meets cool land mass or cool ocean, that's when the air vaporises, condenses and we get fog, so we get sea mist in the mornings. Or on hot days, we've had a lot of hot days, you know how we'll have these foggy mornings often in the middle of summer, it's because there's a lot of heat in the earth and then overnight as the air cools down, the heat comes out of the earth into the air, hits the cool night air and vaporises and then we get a foggy morning even in the middle of summer. Blowing out... In winter, like if you're breathing and it's a really cold night and the hot air in us comes out, meets the cold air, vaporises into fog. So when things cool off and the heat comes out of the atmosphere, we naturally get fog. I think that is so interesting. Sometimes when the heat and the pressure eases, we can lose our way. There's a reason the persecuted church flourishes. The heat is on them and they are digging into God and they often have a lot of clarity on who God is to them because it's the only lifeline they have. They need God. They need to know who they are in God. It's their strength. But for us, maybe when things cool off, we don't need to hang on to God so much. Things can get a little bit foggy. And who knows? Who has? I know, I think for us, you can come through a battle season and again in the battle, you're like hanging on to God. And then I know it's true personally that battle eases and you can just have that post-battle weariness, haze, fog. And if you're carrying a bit of pain, a bit of smoke, that adds to the vulnerability of that season, I think, when you come through something. But I think an antidote to the post-battle fog is remembering, and there's probably many, but the one I want to touch on is remembering God's goodness and grace, remembering who he is. And Bobby Houston spoke an awesome message I listened to recently on Heavenly Calling, and she just spoke about how important, how important it is to stay the path that we are constantly remembering who God is, remembering his goodness and grace, never forgetting the miracles that he has done for us, not forgetting the wonder of salvation, the wonder of what he has called us into, not forgetting how he's rescued us time and time again, not forgetting how he's carried us 
through the darkest of days. Yes, we need to look to the future, but I think we need to make sure in the process we don't forget the goodness of God, how far he has brought us, forget not all his benefits. And on this, David writes a beautiful psalm. And, you know, David knew great success and he knew great failure and he knew sin and he knew what it was to stuff up and he was also a warrior and I guess if anyone had a chance to kind of get a bit foggy, it could have been him, but this is what he writes about God. With my whole heart, with my whole life and with my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, the holy God. Yahweh, you are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness you've done for me? You kiss my heart with forgiveness in spite of all I've done. You've healed me inside out from every disease and I can say amen to that. You've rescued me from hell and saved my life you've crowned me with love and mercy you satisfy my every desire with good things you've supercharged my life so that I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky you're a God who makes things right giving justice to the defenseless you unveiled to Moses your plans and showed Israel's sons what you could do Lord you're so kind and tender-hearted to those who don't deserve it and so patient with people who fail you your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness how beautiful is that and I encourage you to read that whole psalm in the message translation and as I said if anyone could have been a bit foggy if anyone could have been a bit battle weary carrying some smoke maybe a bit foggy because of everything he'd been through it would have been David but he still at the end of his life was constantly reminding himself of the goodness of the grace of God of of everything he had brought him through and I do think the purpose of fog is to blur and distort who God is and who we are in him That reminding ourselves of who God is helps clear that fog. And perhaps that's why David was always declaring the goodness of God to keep his perspective clear. I think there's two different ways fog can work too, and there probably is many, but I just want to touch on two. I think sometimes we can get stuck in the fog of the past. Oh, the good old days, God was good then, but he's not here now. And I just want to say that God is with us now. He's in our present. He's in our future. And someone actually prophesied over our church, just personally to Josh and I, but it's for everyone because we're connected from Job 8-7. Though your beginnings were modest, your latter days will be full of prosperity. And I just want to say the past was great, but the future is going to be even greater, full of prosperity and goodness and blessing and largeness. I'm excited for that. So that's the first type. We can get stuck in the fog of the past, the good old days. But then I think we just get in this fog where we forget the goodness of God altogether. We disconnect. We take our eyes off him and lose our perspective. King Nebuchadnezzar actually did this. After he saw the miracles of God, he became great in his own eyes again. And God graciously gave him a chance to put his eyes back on him. And when King Nebuchadnezzar's eyes were off God, the kingdom was destroyed and he lost everything. But then as he fixed his eyes back on God, he restored to him his life and I think that's a beautiful picture of as we fix our eyes on God he actually does a restorative work when our eyes are off him we lose our way even and may we never lose sight of God or become so big in our own eyes that we can't see clearly people the people of Israel were the same you know they saw these mighty miracles they saw the greatness of God they were delivered from captivity and then they got into the wilderness and they grumbled and they forgot the goodness of God and actually talks about in some versions that the people of Israel were under a cloud of unbelief and so maybe that's what some of that fog is a bit of unbelief I don't really trust God I don't really know who he is and isn't it insane that we can see the most amazing miracles the most amazing deliverances like King Nebuchadnezzar and the people of Israel but we can still forget and step into unbelief so I think it's good for all of us to be checking do I know who God is is my faith in him do I trust he can come through for me So, may we remember who God is, know who we are in him, and perhaps just let the breath of God blow away any residual smoke 
from the pain of the journey or any fog that's kind of settled around that's just clouding our vision of who we are and who God is. And I, I just want to echo, I don't have too long to go, only a couple more pages. Echo what Josh said um, when he spoke his message. He spoke about having good friends around you, people who will encourage you, be with you on the journey and people who will speak the truth in love, um, not feed wound and add to the fog because who knows, you can be in a fog and then you just have people come in and just add to that and confirm it and then you're in this fog together. <laughs> um, choose wisely, friends that will dispel the fog. It says in Proverbs 13:20, he who walks with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm. The Apostle Paul echoed this when he said, bad company corrupts good morals. And, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Key. And I'm not saying we've got to love everyone, but we've got to be wise about who we let influence us and who we actually let walk the journey with us. Hebrews 12, 15 to 17 in the Amplified Bible says, Exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favour and spiritual blessing in order that no root of resentment, anger, bitterness or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment and then many become contaminated and defiled by it. I love that it says here the aim is to watch over each other so that no one falls behind in securing God's grace and it's grace that prevents those roots of anger, resentment, bitterness to spring up because who knows in community when you're doing life with others there's always going to be a chance to be offended, there's always going to be a chance for resentment but it's grace that is the antidote and we need each other to encourage one another in grace because who knows on our own we struggle. But if we have a friend next to us saying, hey, mate, move on. Like God's grace is sufficient for you. You can get through this. Continue to look at who God is. People who are challenging us on with wisdom and truth and maybe saying to us, hey, you've been a bit of an idiot or you've been a bit of a sook. Come on, grow up. If we have those friends in our life that help us see clearly, I think we're going to grow and we're going to be able to secure that grace and that blessing that this talks about, which prevents roots of resentment and bitter and bitterness and torment forming. Okay. So, and it says exercise foresight at the beginning. It's hard to exercise foresight if you can't see through the fog. So may God clear that. And who knows, it says in Song of Solomon's that it's the little foxes that come to spoil the vine. And that's relationship with God, relationship with others. And resentment and bitterness will always spoil relationship with each other, with God. And um, if we're in a fog, we're going to miss the little foxes. Those foxes, they're little and sneaky and cunning. They're not big and obvious. They don't come like, hey, knocking on the door of your heart. I'm just about to devour over you. Is that okay? Before you know it, you're going to lose relationship with God. You're not going to know who you are. You're going to be isolated and cut off. All good. Those foxes don't come in like that. They come in sneaky and cunning and little. You don't recognize they're coming. So one, if there's a fog, you're not going to see them. Two, if you're isolated and you don't have people around you looking out for you who can see when you can't, you pray. May we be on guard for those little cunning foxes who will devour our ability to see clearly who God is and who we are. May we stay connected to the vine, be in relationship with each other, push through to draw close so we can be looking out for one another, spurring one another on on this wild and wonderful faith journey. All right, I might get the band up if that's all right, Ryan and the Piney. And in a minute, we're going to sing Good Grace, and it's just going to be a powerful declaration of everything I'm talking about. But I said at the beginning, I wanted to tie it all in. Obedience, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego coming out of seasons of heat well. So how were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego able to be obedient to what God had called them to? How were they able to stick to their convictions under the heat and the pressure? They knew who God was, and they knew who they were in God, one and two. And how do we come out of seasons of heat well and combat the post-battle weariness, the hurt, the smoke, the haze, the fog, by keeping 
our eyes on God, by remembering who he is and by remaining connected to him and one another that we may encourage one another to grow in grace and recognize those cunning little foxes, as I said, for what they are. There's so much protection and wisdom to be harnessed in our togetherness, in our relationship. Isn't there better together? And onwards and upwards we go together, church. I really feel what I've shared this morning are keys to helping us stay on the path this year that we may represent the greatness, the magnificence, the splendor of God as it talks about in some of those verses I read to the world around us. Just as Shadrach, Meshach's and Abednego's obedience was just an incredible um, representation and display of God's splendor. It brought glory to God. And... Um, Lisa shared so well last week on loving others. But I think if we don't get what I've spoken about right, if we don't know who we are, if we don't know who God is, if we get a little bit foggy, a little bit smoky, it actually does inhibit our ability to love others well. So I think it's important we are able to know who God is and know who we are firstly and then we're going to be able to get out there and change the world and love others and see the kingdom of God advance and heaven full and hell empty but firstly may we know who we are in God in a greater way and I do hope you've been able to take something home from this I know there was a lot of different points in there and something might have stood out for you more than others but go home and maybe read some of those verses I read and just allow God to speak to you on whatever point is stirring in your heart right now so we're going to sing let's stand I'll pray in a moment, but I, I have asked Ryan to sing this song at the end because I think the words are really just powerful. It's an anthem. It's a declaration. And the words say, people come together. That's what I'm talking about. Let's come together. Spur one another on in grace. Don't let your heart be troubled. Take courage. Hold on. Be strong. Remember where our help comes from. Don't forget where our help comes from. Don't forget the wonder of salvation. Don't forget how much He has saved us from. Don't forget His kindness and His grace and His goodness that has sustained us thus far. Don't forget good grace, good God. Jesus, our redemption, that's where our help comes from. God, we thank You. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the mighty God. You are our provider. You are our healer. You are the one who carries us when we can't carry ourselves, God. And we choose to remember who You are. And for those of us who might be in a bit of a, fa- a phase, a haze or a fog, maybe we're carrying a bit of smoke or pain from the journey. Maybe we just our perspective has become a little bit distorted because of what we've been through, God. I thank You that right now by Your Spirit, You're clearing the air. I thank You that the Spirit smoke of the journey is lifting. I thank You for that fog that is distorting perspective to be dispelled right now by Your Spirit. I thank You for Your Holy Spirit that clears the air, that clears our perspective, that fixes our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. We choose to focus on the one and true Almighty God where our help comes from. We thank You. We are never alone. You are with us, God. I thank You for the power of togetherness as we sing this song. It's an anthem. It's it's an anthem. It's a declaration that we are walking together into the future. And we are so excited to display Your splendour on this earth until everyone has heard of Your goodness and Your grace. Amen. Amen.